praise be the name of the Lord God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Almighty God. Blessed be thy precious holy name. Hallelujah. God bless you, and you may be seated. This service is absolutely magnificent. Surely the presence of the Lord is so mighty with us tonight. Here we are on Thursday night of the 45th Bogalusa Bible Conference. And God is still alive. God is still marvelously, wonderfully blessing. Today has been no exception in the fact that it has blessed me personally more than any conference I've ever attended in my life. I have been personally blessed. And today was no exception as I listened to the great men of God preach today over in the church, how my heart was blessed and lifted up. I want to welcome these distinguished guests that have joined us on the platform tonight for the first time in this service. We do esteem them highly, count them as very dear and precious personal friends. And we thank God for every one of them and all of you that have joined us tonight for the first time. How many are here for the first time this week? Could I see your hands? All right, there's several out there. God bless you, and we welcome you into these services. They have been great. Amen. I must make special mention of Brother Merle Ewing. My, my children love him so very much. That's right. I never shall forget when we heard the news. By the time it got to me, it may have been much more severe than it really was. I really don't know. But the time the news got to us that he was so very sick, we had heard that he had cancer of the throat and that he was losing his voice. And uh, my son-in-law is our music director. He's full-time in the work of the Lord in Charleston now and a very distinguished choir director and orchestra director and a dynamic singer. And when he heard that uh, Brother Ewing was so sick, I heard him off into a room weeping and praying. And I was so moved by his prayer that I drew close that I might hear what he was saying. And he was telling God, God, take my voice. Don't let me ever make another sound. But heal Brother Ewing. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. In the love of God and the fellowship that we have with each other, isn't it beautiful? Praise the Lord. Let's love the Lord together again. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, this has been tremendous, tremendous. How many of you ever wondered how Brother Tenney preached when he was in Thailand? Oh, my. He uh, 
came to Thailand several times, and of course he went all over the world in missionary work. And uh, I've had so many of you ask me to give just a little demonstration of how he preaches over there to those folks that can't speak English. Now we have thousands of members in the church in Thailand, and only one single member can speak English at all. Brother Chai Yung, that's the only one that speaks English. So you have to speak in Thai over there. Amen. Brother Tenny, won't you come out here and preach? I mean, he preached up a, a storm today. My, what a marvelous message. Now, don't take over the show, you know, and I got a message tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope that the Lord can have His way. <laughs> I praise God for the opportunity to be here tonight. Regardless of what language we speak, regardless of what nation we're in, we are all baptized by one spirit. Body. And there is one name that brings us together. And I want to talk about that name. That name has power in English. It has power in French. And it has power in Thai. And that name... Is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus saves. It heals. It will answer your prayers. And revival is coming in the name of Jesus. And neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost moves through an interpreter. Because the Holy Ghost knows no language barriers. And they get the Holy Ghost in Thailand. And get baptized in Jesus' name. And they get healed. And delivered from demons. All because of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> My, my, my. Isn't that something? Praise God. Amen. The Thai language is something else. They have five inflection of the voice. There is a high, a level, a low, a rising and falling inflection of the voice. And then in addition to that, there are the long and short vowels. There are 42 vowels in the Thai language, and there's a long and short, and it doesn't change the, the sound, but rather the length that you speak the sound. For instance, there is a and a. That's two different words. 
and then you inflect your voice. There's intonation to express feeling, the same as in our English language, but there is a fixed inflection that cannot be changed. Amen. About the best example that I can think of is the sound cow. You can have uh, one single sound, and it can have a possibility of ten different meanings. Cow, short, high sound, means to investigate. Cow, the short level, means the knee. Cow, the long level, means to kneel down. Cow means news. Cow means white. Cow means mountain. Cow means to enter. Cow means rice. Cow means he, she, or they. <laughs> so, so it's easy to, <laughs> easy to get the wrong inflection and say the wrong thing. <laughs> for instance, the word for cross is exactly the same sound as the word for men's trousers. And one day I was preaching, and I meant to say, take up your cross and follow Jesus. <laughs> and they did the same thing you just did. <laughs> And I've done a whole lot worse than that, and I'm not going to tell you what I said. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Well, it's wonderful to be in the church of the living God. Praise the Lord. I have a message for you tonight from the Word of the Lord. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians the 14th, the second chapter, and the 14th verse. Glory. Second Corinthians, the second chapter, and the 14th verse. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. I'd like to continue reading in chapter 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you? or letters of commending from you. Ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, 
but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust we have through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Hallelujah. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, and I praise you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be thy matchless holy name. Thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for all the precious word of God that we have already heard. And I thank you, Lord, for this great, magnificent service that we have been able to participate in tonight. I thank you, Lord, for all of these accomplished singers and musicians that have blessed us, Almighty God. And now I pray, Lord, that you will anoint your messenger in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Quicken my mind, loose my tongue, that I may speak to the people. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. I would read again. Chapter 3 and verse 6, or, or verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. I want to preach tonight on the simple subject of faith. Faith. Or I might entitle it confidence in your contact with God. Confidence in your contact with God. These are challenging days. These are momentous days. We have never been challenged more in the history of the world in doing the work of the Lord than we are today. There is no way in this world that we could look at the task that God has laid upon our shoulders to do and try to do it within our own talents and within our own abilities there is no way there is no place that we could go to school and learn what God wants us to do there are so many things that we can learn and thank God for all of it but there is no way that we could ever meet the challenge that God has given to us to reach the entire world with this gospel today. Can you say amen? amen? But I am here to proclaim to you that no matter what God has commissioned you to do, no matter what he has called you to do, God is able to anoint you to accomplish that task in Jesus' name. God is able to perform the impossible even now and tomorrow until he comes. In fact, I am thoroughly convinced that we will see greater miracles at this time before the coming of the Lord than has ever been performed in the history of the church. I believe that with all of my heart. I really do. I really do. Amen. When I think about what was accomplished during the times of the apostles, and then I look at the world that you and I live in today, I have to believe that 
or I would just have to fold my tent and fold my hands in total depression and despair. But I believe that God is able to fulfill his word through us. God is able to do it. Praise the Lord. So many times, you know, when we go to do the work of the Lord, one of the first things we want to do is to look in the mirror and take a look at ourselves to see whether we're equal to the task or not. Well, if you happen to look like I do, you'd have a nervous breakdown. Amen. So many times people look in the mirror and they like what they see. They like what they're able to do. And they feel very confident because of the talents that they have. Believe me, my friend, when you start doing the work of the Lord, those talents will fail you over and over and over again if that's all that you're depending on. Talent cannot build a church. It will not build a church. If it's anointed of the Lord and used of God, then God can be glorified through it. But just of the strength of ability and a talent alone, it cannot be done and will not be done. I never shall forget one particular group that was a very, very outstanding group of singers in the, uh, in the world. They were well-loved. They had a big following. And they came to this uh, glorious message and were baptized in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ and received the Holy Ghost and in, in, embraced the teachings of, uh, of modest apparel and holiness and all the things that we hold dear to our hearts. Amen. And then the Lord called him to preach. And he went out preaching. And he thought because of his talent to sing, and they were tremendous, that they thought, my, 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 just overnight we will build a great church. Well, it just didn't develop just like that. They got the, uh, they got the, uh, uh, they were just astounded when things developed as they really did. And they found themselves going through the same kind of struggles in building a new church that the poor man that can't carry a tune and his wife can't play the piano. They found themselves going through the same struggles in building a new work for God. Amen. He did, a, he did really surprise me one day. I was talking to him. I said, uh, how you doing? And uh, he said, oh, we're running between eight and nine hundred. I said, oh, you're kidding. He said, yeah, we had nine last week. <laughs> <laughs> running between eight. He didn't say 800. He said eight and 900. I thought I'd like to remember that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. We cannot lean on talent. Thank God for it. But we have got to put our confidence and trust in the Lord God Almighty. Can you say amen? When God decides he wants to do something when God decides it should be done and when he can find a willing vessel that will submit themselves to God and say God here am I use me he will do it God will do it that he might be glorified 
Oh, hallelujah. I never shall forget when I was doing some Holy Ghost rallies and the Lord was just pouring out the Holy Ghost in a very wonderful, wonderful way. Many, many were getting the Holy Ghost every night in those rallies. It was a very, very poor night if we had less than 30 or 40 get the Holy Ghost in those meetings right here in the United States. And it was just what God wanted to do in, in those days. I did not have a car. I was traveling by plane, and uh, each pastor was taking me to the next place, stopping just one night in each place. And uh, we were going on, and I remember coming up to a certain pastor's home, a young man, and uh, he, he run out to the car. He was so excited uh, to see me and run right up to the car, and he said, Brother Cole, God has sent you here today to tell me something. I said, well, if he has, he hasn't told me what to tell you yet. I don't believe in saying, thus saith the Lord, if the Lord hasn't said anything. That brings havoc to the work of God. It's better just to be silent. Amen. And so, so the, the pastor that brought me went on his way, and, and this young man wanted me to go with him in his car to purchase some groceries. And uh, on the way there, he said, I want to tell you something that has happened to me. It is wonderful, and I don't fully understand it, and I want you to help me to understand it. He said, I have been praying that God would uh, give me a ministry to help men and women receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I have been fasting and praying for three days a week, every day, uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. Every week I have been fasting for many, many weeks now. I think he said six weeks. And he said, just last Thursday, uh, when I was fasting and, and going to my place of prayer, it was early in the morning, and it was still dark, suddenly there was a vision of the Lord stood before me. And in that vision, he reached out and touched me and promised me that he was going to do for me what I had asked and that he was going to grant my request. And then the vision was all over and he disappeared. And I just fell down on that floor and, and, and worshiped God. He said, I was just terrified by the whole experience. And he said, what do you think of that? I said, I think that's great. I've never seen a vision like that in my life. I've never seen an angel. I've, I've never experienced anything like that. But I, I believe in it, and I believe it has happened to you. And if you are genuinely sincere, and your motives are right, and, and you want God to touch you for the purpose of really helping the people and enlarging the kingdom of God, I think uh, that surely you can count on this very, very much as really being from the Lord. But I still don't have a word from God for you. We went on, came home, and his father or his uh, wife had uh, fixed a very beautiful meal, and uh, they had a little baby and sitting in a high chair. We sit down to the table, and there was uh, places for just two people. His wife sat down to one place, and I sat down to another. He sat across the table with no plate, no silverware, nothing. And I looked at him and and. Uh, and I said, brother, this is on a Saturday. I said, aren't you going to eat? He said, eat? 
He said, I haven't eaten one bite of food since that happened. I am still fasting. I'm still fasting. I said, did you say God sent me here to give you a message? He said, yes. I said, well, I just got the message. <laughs> he said, well, what's the message? I said, the message is for you to eat. He said, really? I said, you said with your own mouth that God sent me here to tell you something, and I'm telling you right now, eat. And he eat like a hog. <laughs> he eat like, eat like he was starving to death. God bless your hearts. I don't fast and pray for nothing that God has already told me he was going to do. Anybody can hide behind fasting and prayer, and no one believes in it more than I do. I went all over this country giving seminars on fasting and prayer and intercessory prayer. There is a time for intercession. There is a time for fasting. But there's also a time that when you hear from God to get up off of your face and believe what God has said. Hallelujah. You know, nobody's going to criticize you as long as you're crying and praying. But you can't imagine how many people hide behind that because they are afraid to do what God has told them. Okay, we get down and we say, Oh, God, I want you to do so and so. And God says, Okay. And the next day, here we are again. Oh, God, I want you to do so-and-so. Oh, God, do so-and-so. And God says, okay. And the next day, oh, God, do so-and-so. And we tell him again. And God says, okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we went to church that night, and he had a little church. But believe me, he had a good church. He only had 20 members there. But they were 20 good ones. They got with it. We had church. We had church for a long time, three or four hours that night. We shouted and danced and preached, and, and they carried on, and, and I preached for a long time. Amen. And so... Uh, I told him before we went to service, I said, now you're going to be tested. Your faith will be tested tonight. And I want you to respond with faith. And at the conclusion of the service, there was a very elderly man, more than 80 years old, was there. And he was so feeble that two men had to get under his arms, both of his arms, and literally carry him down the, the aisle his feet were touching the floor, but they were carrying the most of his weight. And he said, he said, uh, I want you to pray for me that I will be healed. Well, I didn't feel a thing. But we Pentecostal preachers are so geared and we have so taught our people that no matter what anybody asks for, whether we feel faith or not, we do it anyhow. And that's the reason we have so many people walking away without an answer from prayer. 
if you people wouldn't criticize us and leave us alone and let us pray for you when we feel anointed to do it, you'd get answers to your prayers. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that okay, Brother Pew? Praise the Lord. But you see, if we'd say, no, I don't want to pray for you now, you'd go tell we was colonel. And the preacher can't be carnal and keep his job. <laughs> so we just pray for you. Amen. I didn't feel a thing, not one jot or tittle. And we prayed for him. Nothing happened. I don't think he even blinked an eye. And then he said, I want to receive the Holy Ghost. This was the second time he'd ever been in church. He was in church on Sunday night, the night, Sunday night before. This was on a Saturday. And this was his second time in a Pentecostal church. He said, I want to receive the Holy Ghost you're talking about. Well, I felt something then. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and I turned to this pastor and I said, now here is your challenge. Respond with faith. And he responded with so much faith he liked to scared me to death. <laughs> I want you to know he buttoned up his coat, straightened himself up, took this old man by the arms and said, come right over here and sit down. I thought, well, praise God. He's going to do it apostolic style. He's going to get the Holy Ghost where he was sitting. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone tonight. <laughs> God. Hallelujah. And he looked at him and he said, now, brother, I want you to worship the Lord. And the moment that I lay my hand on your head, you're going to start speaking in a language you never learned in school. And I thought, well, God, now don't let him down. <laughs> you know, it don't always happen exactly like that, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you got to lay your hand on there at least two or three minutes. <laughs> but he said, the moment I touch you, and I said, Lord, don't let him down, because if you do, he's going to lose his faith, and I'm going to be a false prophet. Praise <laughs> God. Hallelujah. <laughs> And, and that little group of 20 people, I mean, they pray. You know where people get the Holy Ghost is where saints get excited about people getting the Holy Ghost. It's all right to sit in the pews if you're not physically able to do otherwise. But if you sit there like a wooden statue during an altar service, don't go griping about your preacher in your church because nobody's getting the Holy Ghost because you're the one that's keeping them from it. <laughs> that's right. And those, that, that little group of 20 people, they began to praise God with all their heart. I mean, they prayed up a storm. And that old fella just sat there. And that preacher just stood there, didn't even close his eyes. And just watched him. And, and, and I know it was only about five minutes, but it seemed like a half hour. And he watched him. And all of a sudden, that young fellow reached his hand out and laid it on that old man's head. And he started talking in tongues. <laughs> Praise God. That's right. And he come up out of that chair dancing, dancing, dancing. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And God strengthened his body. And for 14 five minutes that old man danced like a Russian dancer that's right hallelujah I want you to know folks that you can ask God for something and ask God for something and he will answer
answer you. And when he answers you, stop asking. Get up off of your face. Believe God and take him at his word. Oh, hallelujah. Let's raise our hands and praise the Lord. I praise you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, almighty God. I never shall forget when the Lord called me to Thailand. I was just pastor. I didn't mean to say just a pastor. I was a pastor out in a little, I meant to say just in a little village of about 5,000 people in the mountains of West Virginia. I mean real genuine mountains, straight up and straight down. Amen. And the Lord called me to go to Thailand. And I made provisions to go. I didn't hear, I didn't see lightning. I didn't hear thunder. I didn't see no handwriting on the wall. I didn't see an angel. I didn't see no vision. But I heard the voice of the Lord tell me to go to Thailand. So I got ready and got past the district board. There was one great big miracle already. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Got past the general board and all the rest. That's right. And I was on my way as green as grass. I had never traveled in a foreign country before in my life except Canada. I mentioned that to you. And that's not very foreign. And uh, I, I was so green. I, I tell you, they insisted, that missionary board insisted that I go on a ship. I'm glad they don't do that no more. If you're a sailor, the Lord bless you, but you can have all the ships. I don't want no more. Amen. <laughs> Brother, we got in a storm the first day, and, that, and I was, I don't know how many stories up my, my place was, and that ship would go up like that, and then it would go down like that, and half of it would go under the ocean, and the waves would hit against the, uh, the, the, porthole of my my room that's right one time I run up the wall and fell right back on my back <laughs> tell you for three weeks for three weeks I didn't see anything but water 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 that's right and so we finally arrived in Subic Bay of the Philippines and I, I was going to be the brave tourist. I was the worst tourist in the whole wide world. God never called me because I was a tourist. I still don't like to tour. And, uh, and so I, 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 with my wife, I got off of that ship. We was going to take a little, and there was Americans everywhere, American soldiers everywhere. And I still was terrified. That's right. And uh, I, I walking down the street, and I heard somebody calling my name. It was Shirley, my wife. She was saying, Billy, Billy. And there I was standing in the sidewalk just like this. <laughs> I was astounded. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we got back on that ship and sailed on around to, to uh, Manila. And it was uh, in the afternoon. And uh, we wanted to get off and tour just a little bit. It was going to be there a few days. 
And I just couldn't handle it. I got off, and they run up around me, ganged around me, and wanted to sell me black market money and all those things. And, and I said, Shirley, let's get back on the ship. I can't handle all this. I was a nervous wreck. Great missionary. Great missionary. <laughs> Praise God. I said, let's, let's get back on the ship. That's right. And, and long in the night, uh, the missionaries came that were in the Philippines then knocked on my door about 11 o'clock at night. I never was so glad to see anybody in all my life. And they asked for permission for us to go home with them overnight. And you could leave the ship without, uh, without a visa in your passport for just one day at a time if you were an American. And so we went. We got to his house. We talked the whole night long. How am I? Until daylight. And then we went to bed for a couple of hours and got up and was going again. I, I only took the $10 with me in my pocket because in those days, let me tell you, missionary money was mighty hard to get. And we had a very, very little money with us. Just a few hundred dollars. I think about five or six hundred dollars is all we had going over there with us. And uh, so I only put $10 in my pocket and left all my luggage and Everything we had this little overnight kit with us just for the night to go and 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 he took us out to all these wood shops if you go to the go to the conference next year the world conference you you'll see some of the most beautiful carvings you ever seen in your life and they had carvings oh it was beautiful I got carried away and spent nine of my dollars nine of my ten dollars and bought something that's right and so we went back to the house and thought well we'd better call the captain of the ship and see how everything is and check with them. Supposed to be there two or three days. And when I called, all I could get was the agency. And they said, sir, that ship has sailed. I said, sailed? <laughs> yeah, I said it went to Vietnam. God. And my wife just squalled like everything. She almost went hysterical. And the missionary jumped up and down and said, it's a will of God, it's a will of God, it's a will of God. <laughs> and, and when Sister Cole get her breath, she looked at him and said, you're as crazy as a bed bug. <laughs> That's right. He said, well, let me tell you something. He said, we're about to have a conference. Anyhow, we went down, and, and, in, the, and in those days, you couldn't get tickets on credit. That was unknown. But SAS Airlines let us have a ticket, and they said, you can pay for it when your ship comes in. Praise God. <laughs> let us have one on credit. And uh, Brother Buckmiller says, uh, now we're having our first Filipino conference. And it's the will of the Lord for you to go. It really was. I learned a lot. He said, someone just sent me a few dollars, and it's enough to pay your air ticket down to Negros Island. And, but he said, if we go to the immigrations people, they're going to tie you up into so much red tape and get you, you're liable in, I don't know what might happen. And he said, you just don't worry about it. And if anybody asks you for your visa, we had our passports. He said, if they ask you for your visa, you just let me do all the talking. Don't you say a word. Well, I was so green and so helpless. I, 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 I don't know what I'd have done if he'd have told me to do it. And we went down to that conference, got ready to get on the plane. And there was an MP, a, a Filipino MP standing at the door. 
and he wasn't bothering anybody. But when we walked up there, he said, let me see your visas, please. And my heart just fell right down in my shoes. I was absolutely terrified. Amen. <laughs> and, and, and he had told me, don't say nothing. So I didn't say anything. And Brother Buck Miller looked at that character and said, don't you know who these people are? And he snapped to attention and saluted us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we went down there for a conference, and it was great. There was 25 got the Holy Ghost. Not because I was there, because I was just like this. <laughs> I was a man. <laughs> <laughs> we came back he said now brother Cole you may be in a lot of trouble when you walk up to that immigrations they probably will arrest you I said well praise the Lord <laughs> he said don't walk up there until two hours before departure time <laughs> so we waited until just two hours before departure time and walked up there, and he was so friendly and so nice. And I, throwed, I didn't throw them, but I laid my passports down there with no visa in them and, and uh, my tickets. And uh, he, he smiling at me, you know. And when he went through that passport and there was no visa, and he seen where I'd stamped to come into the country, he said, you don't have any visa. And he looked through my wife's and my babies. He said, you don't have any visa. I said, no, sir. He said, you're under arrest. said, don't you move more than 10 feet from this counter. I said, we've got to get on that plane at 1 o'clock. He said, that's impossible. There is only one man in this whole country that could get you on that plane, and he is the invisible man. Now, I don't know what he meant by that. I suppose he meant that uh, you can never find him or never get in touch with him. But uh, uh, we stood back. I... I my heart, I was having a heart failure. And, uh, and, and believe me, I didn't move more than 10 I didn't even move 10 inches. <laughs> I don't think I took 10 breaths. <laughs> and here come a distinguished-looking Filipino man. And he had been on our ship from Subic Bay down to Manila. And, uh, and he loved my Brenda. My Brenda was only five years old. And had blonde hair and blue eyes and she was very talkative you know and uh, and he talked to Brenda the whole trip he didn't even he didn't even say hello to me but he talked to Brenda he liked Brenda and uh, he was on the ship and when she seen him she run straight to him and when he seen her he instantly remembered her and he said what are you people doing in the Philippines and I began to tell him our troubles had no idea that he could do anything about it. He took the passports out of our hand, walked behind the desk, stamped all three of them with visas, and predated them eight days, and said, get on that plane. He was the invisible man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I felt better already. And when we went by, the guy that arrested us said, Incredible! Incredible! I looked back and I said, Incredible! <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! They had to open the door of the plane again to let us on. 
I'd been wearing the same old clothes every day, washing them out. <laughs> My britches used to be blue. <laughs> Wash them out every day and put them back. We were the first hippies. <laughs> In those days, they're still wearing alligator skin shoes and fine suits and all that stuff on the plane. You know, they wear everything anymore. But in those days, they really dressed out to get on the plane. And, and, and Shirley was wearing this, this wash dress. She'd wash it out every single day and ironed it every day for a week. And it was a mess, too. <laughs> and we tried to be as inconspicuous as possible. All of our luggage was on that ship. And we was on our way to Thailand. And when we came into immigrations, we tried to be just as inconspicuous as we possibly could and held back to the end of the line. And when we walked up there and those officers looked us up and down, and believe me, they were not impressed. They said, sir, where is your luggage? And I said, right here, little overnight kit. <laughs> Going around the world. <laughs> he said, how much money do you have to declare? I said, one dollar. <laughs> he said, just how long do you want to stay here? I said, four years. <laughs> he said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a tourist pass. You go down to immigrations and work this out with them. <laughs> and we walked in there. And I had, uh, I told you the other night about baptizing Brother Boonmark Gittison, who had this big school of over 2,000 students in his church. And, uh, but I didn't have his address. It was on the ship. I didn't have nothing. I didn't have an address. Didn't have a telephone number. I didn't know his name. All I, I could, all I could do is remember his first name. His last name was Gittison Aduyadet. And I couldn't remember that. Didn't have the least idea how you spelled it. <laughs> and Bangkok in those days was a city of two million people. And we did not know where to go. That's right. And so I told my wife, I said, I know we don't live out here at the airport, so <laughs> let's get on this bus. In those days, you could get on the bus for 50 cents. And Brenda was so young, she didn't have to pay. So we got on the bus with all these folks, and they took them all to their hotels and what have you. We was wandering around. And I had seen the picture of his school and I was looking and looking and desperately trying to see that school. And I didn't see nothing that I recognized. And there's even driving on the wrong side of the road and chattering a bunch of monkey talk that I couldn't understand. And all those kind of things. And uh, finally, the, the driver couldn't say one word of English, not one word. And the, and the little girl that was there as the guide, she couldn't speak enough English to understand my predicament. I could not make her understand my situation. But she could speak a little bit of English. And finally, after everybody else had went into their hotels, she said, where you go? I said, I don't know where I go. <laughs> well, she said, I can't drive you all day. I said, well, I don't know where I go. She said, well, I go airport. I said, well, I go airport too. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and she chattered something to that driver that I would understand perfectly now. And he drove down one block, turned to the right, 
And there was that school in the middle of two million people. Let me tell you something. When God sent you, when God sent you, he'll go with you. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. You see, back in the Philippines, there was two invisible men there. And Mrs. Kittisan come over and wanted to give me a tour of the whole school and had told those whole 2,000 kids that the VIP had arrived. I still wearing the same clothes. Washed them out again. And she come over there to pick me up in a Morris minor car. Now that is smaller than a Volkswagen. She not only wanted me to get in it, but she wanted me to get in the back seat. And it only had two doors. So here I am trying, you know. Seats pushed up and the doors put open. And I'm trying to get in. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I'm going to have to pick it up and put it on. <laughs> Well, I got about halfway in, and I heard something go, RIP! <laughs> and my wife heard it, too. She was as pale as a ghost. She got in and sat down beside me and looked out of the corner of her eyes and said, did they? I said, yeah. When I get out of this tin can, if I can get out of it, I want you to walk very close behind me. <laughs> when we arrived, here was 2,000 kids standing at attention. <laughs> Not cracking a smile. And when they seen me coming out of that Volkswagen, those kids absolutely went bananas. <laughs> they went crazy. One kid just beat his leg. <laughs> they thought I was the funniest thing they had ever seen in their life. Well, we was taking our tour, you know, and Sister Cole right behind me. Mrs. Giddison could speak a little English. And finally, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> and I said to her, Mrs. Giddison, I have got trouble. She says, 
What is your trouble? I said, I have split my pants. She took me by the arms, turned me around, and said, let me see. for their breath and run in and get their moms and dads to run out and see me. I look like a clown to those people. You can't imagine what I look like to those people. There's only one thing I had. I had God. I knew how to pray. And I knew that God had sent me. And I laid on my face before God. And I prayed, and I don't know exactly why, but God chose to give me 10,000 converts in that nation from brawl Buddhism and idolatry. I want you to know that whenever you're walking with God, and God has spoke to you, and God has sent you, I don't care who you are or what you are, you have faith in God. There's only one reason that I would dare to step to this pulpit tonight with these kind of men sitting behind me, and that's because I know that God has touched my mind, has touched my body, has touched my soul. I don't have any confidence in myself, but I have confidence in my God. God would do it. I don't know what God's told you to do, but do it in Jesus' name. God will help you. God will help you. Too many of us have got a servant's complex. Now, you all fasten your seatbelts because I want to tell you something. I want you to know that I am not the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not his servant. And don't worry about me getting struck dead. I've said this a thousand times. I am not his servant. I have, let me preach this, Brother Megan. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to steal the show. <laughs> I have a beautiful daughter. I love her very, very much. I don't suppose I've ever seen a more dedicated person to God in my life than my own child. I'm so thankful for that. 
I never poor mouthed my daughter. Brother Tenney remembers how we lived on the mission field. We were poor. Thank God, due to his leadership, missionaries live quite well now. But not before that. But you, I used to pity. I used to pity all you young people here at home to my daughter. I used, to, I used to pity her, pity you, and I'd have her down praying for you. Just have her feeling so sorry for you kids here at home. Praise God. That's right. And as a result, she loves the Lord with all of her heart. She don't have any martyrs complex. Amen. And she loves me. If I'm not sadly mistaken, she would make a decision to die for me at the snap of her finger if life would demand it. She loves her daddy. There's nothing she wouldn't do for me. Nothing. But she is not my servant. She serves me. She's full-time in the church, and her husband is full-time in the church. And they serve me, but they are not my servants. They are obedient to me. I could call them at 3 o'clock in the morning and tell them, I need you down at the church in 10 minutes. They wouldn't even ask why. 10 minutes from now, they'd be at the church in the middle of the night. But they are not my servants. They obey me. They serve me. But she is my child. And there's a very real difference. And we need to get rid of our servant complexes. You must learn that consecration does not bring the move of God. Consecration brings the favor of God upon you as a Christian. You're going to have to consecrate in order to be saved. But consecration has absolutely nothing to do with what God does. You know what he responds to? Is faith. You can be so totally dedicated to God and not have faith that he will do what he said he would do and he just has to stand and wait on you and cry and say, oh, I love that person so much. I wish I could do it for them, but I cannot because they don't believe. Faith, faith is what moves God. Let me read just a little bit for you. Now, I've already preached an hour, but I'm going to preach a little bit more. Is that all right? In John chapter 15, and verse 15, henceforth, I call you not servants. That's what Jesus said. Now, you can call yourself one if you want to, but it's not going to help you. You can crawl around on your hands and knees if you want to, but it's not going to help you. I call you friends. Amen. 
in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant. Say it with me. But a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I'm reading for you from 1 John chapter 3. Beginning with verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now in Thailand, they have a lot of ancient customs. I had an audience with the king of Thailand one time. Being American citizen, I could stand on my feet. But if I had been a Thai citizen, I would have had to bow my face to the floor. I can't demonstrate it. I'm not physically able. But if you're going to be a servant that works close to the king of Thailand, you have to have a college degree, and then you have to have one year of special training. And you must learn how to walk on your knees. And they learn how to walk on their knees more graceful than I can walk on my feet. And when they come into the presence of the king, they must be on their knees. They carry heavy trays of food or whatever. And they are on their knees. And they never, ever turn their back to the king. Never. They back out. It would be an insult that would cause them to be fired if they would ever turn their back toward the king. And they never ever speak to the king unless he speaks to them first and asks them a question that needs answered. But believe me, it's a whole lot different for Prince Julalongkorn the crown prince of Thailand. They embrace each other. They tell each other secrets. And they know that he will inherit the kingdom. There's a lot of difference. Now you can be a servant crawling around on your hands and knees if you want to be. God will love you, but he'll never use you to do nothing. Brother Mangan, you know better than anybody else that I'm not preaching this because I'm arrogant, but because it's the truth. Humility is a condition of the heart and not an outward demonstration. I have seen people act so humble that was absolutely eat up with pride and ego. And then you see somebody step out in the name of Jesus Christ. They know that God has spoke to them. In their hearts, they fear and tremble. They have no confidence in themselves. But God has said, I'll bless you tonight. I'll do it tonight. I'll help you tonight. And so they come out and they say, praise the Lord, everyone. That is not arrogance. That is faith. 
in their contact with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the truth. Well, you, you all must not believe it. Y'all quiet. You believe it? Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. I worship you, Lord Jesus, and I praise you, Almighty God. Blessed be thy holy name. Hallelujah. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Word of God says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Believe me, folks, and I assume that uh, when the Bible talks about the heart, it must be talking about our mind. It certainly is not talking about this muscle that pumps the blood to our body. It's talking about our mind. Amen. And right there is where the battleground is at. That's where we win and lose the battle with the devil, is right in our own mind. The mind is extremely powerful. This human mind of ours is so powerful, and the devil knows it. And he can interject thoughts into our mind that totally defeat us and humiliate us in the work of God. We overrate the devil. We declare him to have far more power than he really has. Brother Cole, aren't you afraid to say that? Absolutely not. He's scared to death of me. Now, you all can chatter your teeth if you want to, but I'm not afraid. I know who I am. I know who lives in my heart. And he that liveth within me is greater than he that's in the world. And I don't need to be afraid of him. You know, we, we take so many characteristics of God and attach them to the devil. God is omnipresent. He fills the whole universe. He's everywhere. But the devil's not. Never. Never. The devil is a fallen angel. He was a powerful one. And he was a big one. He was a, a, a shining cherub. But he was an angel. And he is limited to angelic limitations. An angel can be here tonight, and at the snap of their finger, they can be in California. But they can't be in California and here at the same time. Never. Cannot. Never. Never. Well, why, why, why do we run into so much trouble? You haven't run into the devil yet. You've just run into his system. There are many of them, thousands of them. Let me give you just a little example of how many there are. There was a domaniac, a man that was crazy in the Gotharines. He had 6,000 devils. Everybody say 6,000 devils. And there wasn't enough of them to kill him. 6,000 devils couldn't kill one man. But they got us all hoodwinked. 
making us think they're so tough and they're so powerful and they're so big. The biggest power they have is our own ignorance and our own fear. Their tool and their power is our fear and our ignorance. They, 6,000 devils had enough power to make that one man crazy, but they couldn't kill him. They'd make him cut himself. They'd make him scream. He lived among the tombs. Now, they could, they could kill 2,000 pigs. The Lord cast those devils out of that man, and they threw themselves and drew themselves into 2,000 pigs, and those 6,000 devils could kill 2,000 pigs, but they couldn't kill one man. Couldn't do it. Now, you put the Holy Ghost in that one man. I want you to know they wouldn't even come close. Terrified. Right now, there may be millions of devils around Bugalusa. But I want you to know they're having a dance of fear tonight because Billy Cole is here and Billy Cole's not afraid of them. And the only reason they'll come close to you is when you're afraid. When you get afraid, they'll come close. And they'll dance a jig around you and scare the living daylights out of you. But if you're not afraid of them, I stayed in an apartment once in a church, great big old church. It was a huge thing, scariest old apartment. And someone asked me, said, are you afraid to stay here? I said, afraid of what? The mind is powerful. You know your mind can tell you to have pain when you shouldn't have any pain, and that pain can be very real. I just had Charles Mahaney for a revival meeting. He came once and wanted some shoes, some new shoes. We went down and got him some new shoes and, and ready to put those shoes in the trunk of my car, and he's a teaser. He likes to play around, you know, powerful in the pulpit. But when he's out in the car, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I told him, I said, Charles, I don't know if it's worth fooling around with you all day to hear you preach at night or not. <laughs> but he put those shoes in the trunk of my car, and I thought he was all clear, and I slammed the trunk, and he went, oh, 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 and I thought I had mashed his hand. And I felt pain from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I mean, I felt pain all over my body. And when you got a body like I got and every cell in it is painful, that's pain. <laughs> and then he rose up and just laughed and he hauled head. And then I wanted to mash his nose. But my brain, my brain told me to have pain. 
And I had just as real a pain as if every finger on his hand was broken. I would not have had one ounce of pain more. My brain told me to have pain. Your brain can tell you to have sorrow. Jacob's brain told him, Joseph is dead. Joseph was not dead. But Jacob felt just as much pain as if he was under the ground. His brain told him to sorrow and his hair turned white and Joseph was the prime minister of the world. He was not dead. Brain can tell you to be sick and brother it can be very real. I picked up a magazine on the plane the other few months ago. It was a scientific report and it told in there of a school that was having a general assembly of all their sixth graders. One child fainted, fell on the floor, and within a few minutes they had over 50 children fainted and in the hospital and it treated over a hundred more in their own clinic. They thought they had had an epidemic of poison or something. They thought there was poison in the food, thought there was poison in the water. The teaching staff was absolutely terrified, but they noticed that all the children got well very quickly and they could find absolutely no problem. They brought in psychiatrists from Harvard University and discovered that it was a mass hysteria. Those kids actually fainted their mind mind and the devil can talk to us and tell us lies he'll tell us that he's omnipresent I tell you I'll never forget brother Tenney praying today and us not being able to hear what he was saying didn't you love that you that were there that was great Oh, the lies that the devil gives us. You know what? When it's all over, God is going to send one single angel down here and bind Lucifer and all his devils and cast him into hell. Not thousands of them. One angel. You know what we're going to do? We're going to stand up in heaven and look down in the pit and say, My God, is that what I was afraid of? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Crawl around if you want to. Be afraid of every devil and every shadow if you want to. I was in Germany one time. There's thousands of them there. Now, I'm not talking about people, spirits, devils. Amen. Those devils identified me. And the very first night I was in the hotel room, I awakened in the middle of the night, and I was paralyzed from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I couldn't move. Instantly, I realized it was those devils that had identified me and they were trying to frighten me and I wanted to speak to them and to my amazement 
I had no voice. I could not speak. My vocal cords were paralyzed. I could not speak. But you see, he can't get us even then. Because the Lord knows the very thoughts and the intents of our heart. And so I prayed in my heart. I must have been praying very intently. Because when the Lord gave me my voice, I shouted loud enough that they woke up for two or three rooms around me and wanted to know what was the matter. I was praying, God, give me my voice. I didn't say, God, get rid of the devil. I said, give me my voice. Because I wanted to talk to those devils. And when God gave me my voice, I said, devils, you identified me in Munich, and you're trying to frighten me. I'm not afraid of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave this room now. And I was instantly released and leaped from the bed and began to dance and shout and praise the Lord. Yeah. You can call me arrogant if you want to. I am not arrogant. I do know that I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And that I don't have to be afraid. And that whatever God tells me to do, He'll help me do it. Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord? Do you love God? Are you aware you got the same Holy Ghost I got? Well, let's give the Lord a big hand praise then. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise God. Aren't you afraid to go home tonight, Brother Cole? Absolutely not. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'd go out here and slip down and break my leg. I wouldn't give the devil credit for it. He couldn't do it. I'd do it because I'm so awkward. Never give the devil credit for it. He can't do it. Your little, your little scary smiles really is impressive. <laughs> Come on up, folks. Come on up. Get up off the floor. And attack in Jesus' name. You understand what I'm talking about, don't you? Hallelujah. Let's stand and praise the Lord tonight. My Lord, I've preached too long. <laughs> praise God. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. We worship you, Lord Jesus. And we magnify thy matchless holy name. Hallelujah. Let's have a song of victory. No funeral song, please. Let's have a song of victory. Do you believe the Lord is here? Do you believe God is here? Woo! Glory to God. I believe I can shout a little bit. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Let's sing it. Greater is he that is in me.
someone here tonight that needs a special touch from the Lord. I think one of the greatest miracles that we need in Pentecost, and I say this with compassion, not with ridicule. I say it with absolute compassion. One of the greatest miracles we need is that our minds would be healed. I need it. In spite of what I have said tonight, I need further healing from the Lord for my mind. I need my mind healed every day. That's the reason this conference is so important. Our minds are being washed with the Word of God. And as the water of the Word washes our minds, there may be someone here that needs the Holy Ghost. My children, I have come to manifest myself through you. Why are you more interested in what you feel than in what you do? I have not empowered you just for you to have emotional response, but I have empowered you that you might utilize my glory to lift up my name here and in the regions beyond. Have I not said that I would give you power over every enemy? Have I not confirmed my word to you? You have attracted doubt because you have entertained fear. I have come to replace that fear with faith. But you must act upon it before it is faith. Do not mistake feeling for faith. If you will believe the word of my prophet tonight, you will go forth not just to say, I felt his presence, but to act upon it. Some of you have come with confused minds. I am healing your minds now. You have come with spiritually blinded eyes. I have opened your eyes and you have seen things tonight that you had never seen before. Some of my ministers, yea, those that declare my word, are frustrated. I have come to heal that frustration. And you shall return to your church as a man of faith and not just a man of words. And I will give to you not the revival that you preach, but the revival that you claim. For I am the Lord, and I still confirm my word. And the revival that I have promised you is before you. Reach out and act upon it, and it will come. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. And I speak again because I do not have your attention. 
as I am the Lord God, I shall have a people who will believe me. If it is not this people, I will raise up another people. But my word will not return void, and my church shall be triumphant. I ask you to act upon what you know, and that you pray for shall be at your hands, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. If you believe the word, would you raise your hands and praise the Lord? Surely we don't need a cheerleader now for us to praise the Lord. Take a hold of it. God is offering it to you. Reach out and take it. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive ye the gift of God and the anointing of the Lord and the faith of God. Receive it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. said it, I believe it, his word cannot lie, if it's written in the Bible, I believe it till I die, though the mountains be removed and cast into the sea, God's word will last forever, throughout eternity, if Jesus said it, I believe it, his word cannot lie, if it's written in the Bible. I believe it till I die, and all the mountains be removed, and cast into the sea, God's word will last forever. 